Welcome to Six Weeks of Soul Care with Meg Lacey Vega and JJ Vega. We are living through a strange time of isolation and anxiety as we hunker down at home during the coronavirus pandemic. Some of us find our schedules empty with canceled plans and lost jobs and nothing to do. Others of us are having the exact opposite experience as life and work and school all collide under one roof. Whichever end of the spectrum you find yourself, it seems that we are all seeking new ways of surviving, of thriving, of sustaining ourselves, and of nurturing our souls in this new time. That is what six weeks of soul care is all about. JJ, thanks so much for being with us today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be in the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are all stuck in our houses with our loved ones. Stuck's a strong word, but yeah, let's go with it. (laughs) (laughs) So a perfect time for us to get to have conversation about something that we care really deeply about and invite others into that. Yeah, I'm really excited. Let's do this. So we are launching Six Weeks of Soul Care. Mm. Um, It'll be a social media series and a podcast series where each week we invite the congregation to um, think and reflect and practice one different um, thing that is a way they can care for their soul. So when I was originally explaining this idea to you, I had um, lots of ideas and you liked some of them (laughs) not so much. (laughs) I'm a harsh critic. (laughs) So um, let's talk about why we landed on soul care as the title for this, as opposed to um, contemplative spirituality or even self-care. Or solitude, I think was the original name of the series, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Six weeks of solitude. Yeah, because... We certainly need more solitude in our lives. Yeah, you, you did not <laughs> like that suggestion. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think even two months ago, um, six months of solitude could have been a really useful theme for people because I'm sure a lot of folks were feeling the hustle and bustle and busyness of life before coronavirus, uh, but it just it rapidly became not a good fit for this season. Uh, and same with contemplative spirituality. It, contemplative spirituality is, I think, a deeply important element of Christianity, but it can also be really alienating. The language can be very alienating. Um, and self-care, I don't think, go, goes deep enough because what we're really talking about is deepening our connection with God, relying on God as our source and developing rhythms and practices to do that in the midst of our daily lives. So soul care seemed like the right fit. I'm glad that's where we landed. Yeah, I think it's a really important distinction um, in all of in all of the anxiety of this season and all of the um, kind of panic that just feels like it's reverberating through the the atmosphere. Like yeah. it just feels palpable some days, um, especially the days I watch the news more. <laughs> um, 
there's also a lot out there about how do we care for ourselves, but a lot of that is focused on self-care. And that's not a bad thing. Self-care is a really important thing, right? We need to find ways to um, pay attention to our personal needs and our personal limits and boundaries. Um, But soul care is kind of a different animal, right? Mm -hmm. It's an invitation to connect deeply with ourselves. So not as opposed to needs and boundaries, but in a kind of different way. Like our soul, at least the way I think of it is, is that deepest um, layer underneath all of the other layers of what other people see of us. And connecting with that part of us is also connecting with the spirit of God in us, right? Absolutely. So soul care, um, as you said, has the end of not just caring for ourselves, but connecting with God in a way that transforms us, that cares for the deepest pieces of um, our brokenness and our wholeness, mm-hmm. and that helps us reconnect with others and their brokenness and their wholeness in meaningful ways, even when we can't be in physical proximity. I think something that really comes to mind when we talk about soul care is intimacy. So self-care is a wonderful thing. Soul care is, it's maintaining a relationship with God that's deeply important. And I think we're all familiar with times in our lives, this is probably a time for many of us, where it's easy to allow intimacy in our personal relationships or other relationships to slide, especially because there's so many barriers. And I think it can feel like that for our relationship with God. So so we're hopeful that this series will provide some ideas, some inspirations, maybe even some tools in your toolbox to to continue to develop that intimacy, even in the midst of a very unusual set of circumstances for us all. Right. And a lot, as you said, of the practices that we're going to talk about or the ideas that we're going to ask people, um, invite people to sit with are contemplative practices in some form or another. Uh, We didn't want to use that language because we didn't want to scare people away. (laughs) Um, But the reason for that being that we often find ourselves in these kind of liminal spaces, these spaces of change and transition, uh, grappling with ways that we used to do something and needing new forms um, to fill our needs. And I think one thing I'm hearing a lot of, especially from young parents, is like, I cannot add another thing to my plate right now. And so the gift of contemplative spirituality is that we are not inviting people to add something to their plate. We are inviting people to uh, pay attention in different ways to what's already going on, to the way they do daily tasks Mm -hmm. um, and how to invite God into that. Paying attention differently is really... I think the heart of contemplative spirituality, it's an awesome way to put it. Uh, I think contemplative spirituality has a little bit of a branding issue where people hear and they think monasteries, retreat centers, places that aren't their daily lives. They hear chanting (laughs) of the monks and they think that's not for me. So we all sleep. Um, So yeah, we're we're here to, to tell you the good news that you can incorporate these different rhythms and practices into your daily life. Because it's just looking at your daily life a little bit differently. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue into our theme for week one, uh, which starts today, this Wednesday, and we'll go through next Tuesday, and then we'll introduce the next theme. But our theme for the first week is presence. Becoming present, I think, is actually how it will go out online, um, which has this sense of um, becoming is not stagnant. 
Becoming is also not something we can achieve. It's something that's always in process. So this week, we're inviting people to become present in new and different ways with themselves and with others and with God. So what does presence mean to you? Mm. Well, I think to talk about presence, it may be helpful to start with what isn't being present, because I think that's a lot more familiar to people. It's definitely more familiar to me. Yeah, we all know what it feels like for someone to not be present with us when yeah. we are trying to be <laughs> present with them. Um, yeah, a couple of words come to mind. Uh, scattered. Um, I know I've, I've heard that a lot in groups where we've done the one word, like what word describes how you come to this space today. We've seen that in the, the live stream on worship. Uh, scattered, just thoughts all over the place, emotions all over the place. Um, ungrounded is another word that comes to mind. Busy uh, and, and not necessarily active, but busy doing things with a sort of mindless quality. Um, unconscious, another mm-hmm. word that comes to mind. So yeah, yeah those, those all kind of hit the marks for me. <laughs> yeah, I think distracted is one I would add to the list. Yeah. Similar to scattered, but I think often um, when I am not present, it's because I'm distracted. And sometimes that's by choice because I don't want to deal with what's really in front of me. Yeah. Um, or sometimes it's just by circumstance. Like I was talking to someone recently about um, the way that I have like multiple windows open on my computer screen right now and how when I leave my desk, my brain is like too many directions. It's bifurcated, right? I don't have a sense of focus and I don't have a sense of presence. Mm -hmm. Another thing I think of when I think of the opposite of presence is um, being absent from like my physical surroundings. So I might be somewhere, but I'm not paying attention to where I am. I might not even be paying attention to the person in front of me, or they might not be paying attention to me. um, And I'm talking to them, but they're looking past me or thinking about their grocery list or thinking about what they have to do next in the day. And we all have had those moments, no judgment but just awareness that, oh, that's the opposite of presence. And so if that's the opposite of presence, then one thing presence is, is being physically grounded where you are, like noticing, noticing where we are and who's in front of us and um, the experience that they're having and what their need is and the experience that I'm having in that moment and what that need is, which is probably different from some of the stuff stirring around in my head, but is also really necessary for me to recognize that, hey, God is also present in this moment here with me. Another thing I'd want to add to this, because um, I'm sure a lot of folks are thinking it right now, is we live in the age of the internet and devices. And even now, more than ever, we're just in front of screens constantly. So if, if we're talking about challenges, the presence, that's a huge one. You know, There are so many more things demanding our attention. And there's so much more information to consume our attention, which is a I think a key thing that limits our ability to be present. Yeah. So presence is important, right? But how is it spiritual? Where does that come from? Is Where is that in Christian tradition? Well, I think we could probably start with Jesus. <laughs> probably start in the Gospels. Um, I'm thinking of multiple parables. We talked a lot about how presence... It's, it's not about being present, it's becoming present. 
one of my all-time favorite stories slash parables from the Gospels that really uh, metaphorically symbolizes that to me is the prodigal son. This idea of the going out and returning. You know, I always thought of the son's riches as the riches of God's presence. And this idea that he goes out and you know, squanders everything he's been given, but then comes back and is received uh, in, a, in a celebratory way by the Father or by God. So, so I think if you go through the Gospels and you start reading some of these stories and parables a little bit through that presence lens, you might be kind of surprised about some of the things that you find. Yeah, I think that that was a primary part of Jesus's ministry was presence with others and also um, presence in the moment with God and with the Spirit of God. And mm. I think that's how he determined, um, you know, who to respond to and how to respond to them. He saw the person in front of him clearly. I am thinking about um, the the story in Mark of um, the man named Jairus, I think it is, and his daughter is sick and he comes to Jesus and says, can you come heal my daughter? And Jesus follows him to go heal his daughter. And then as that's happening, a woman touches his cloak and Jesus turns around and says, who, who touched me? Like he felt the power drain from him and he stops and engages this woman who's fallen down on the floor, who has an issue of blood, who's had this disease, this sickness for many, many, many years, probably decades. And he engages her, even though I'm sure he was feeling pressure from this, this high up official to go heal this man's daughter. And instead he stops and is present with the woman in front of him. And then when he turns to go with the man Jairus, um, Jairus's servant comes and says, I'm sorry, your daughter has died. And I'm sure for Jairus, there's this moment of like, why did you have to stop and be present with this person? <laughs> this kept things from going the way that they were planned. But I also have always read that and thought, I wonder if Jairus had to see Jesus's ability to heal the woman with the issue of blood to know that even though his daughter was dead, Jesus had the ability to bring healing even in that situation. And so mm -hmm. what happens is the daughter ends up resurrected. But what a story of imminent, of really just beautiful presence with whatever's happening in front of you, not what's ahead of you, not what's behind you. Um, I've heard a spiritual director say, we don't encounter God in the future and we don't encounter God in the past. We can only encounter God in the present. And what, a, what an invitation to become more present so that we can be close with the God who created us. Absolutely. And what's interesting to me about that story of Jesus is that by being present, he, he takes a different course of action than many people would have expected him to. And what that tells me is that there's a wisdom in the present moment that we can't find by worrying about the future or mm. regretting the past. Yeah. So, so I guess to come back to your question, you know, how is presence spiritual practice? Uh, presence is a portal. It's a gateway to intimacy with God. And I think through that relationship, we receive healing and transformation and renewal, which to me seems like what we're about yeah. as Christian people. 
and we're obviously not the first people to pick up on this, right? Sure. Like this comes throughout Christian tradition in a lot of different forms, but some of the most recent folks that have spent time talking and thinking about presence, the two that come to mind immediately for me are uh, Brother Lawrence, who wrote the book Practicing the Presence of God, which many people listening have probably read. Um, again, as a practice that's not this thing that you add to your to-do list that you must accomplish, but he's talking about presence as something you enfold into the daily activity of your lives. When you're washing the dishes, when you're putting your child to bed, when you're mowing the lawn, when you're taking a walk, when you're in the car from one place to another, how do you practice being present with God? He has a lot of names for it. He talks about it as um, conversation and communion and intimacy But all of these things are built around the idea that we have to show up where we are in order to recognize that God is there too. Absolutely. So what about practices? What practices Mm -hmm. are part of presence? Well, I think you kind of alluded to this with Brother Lawrence. It's you can take almost any daily activity and turn it into a practice of presence with a shift of your intention. Um, that being said, there's a lot of really good formal practices too. Meditation comes to mind, different forms of prayer, both prayer alone and prayer with others. Um, that's actively engaging in relationship, engaging in presence. You're not doing that in the future. You're not doing that in the past. You're doing that right now. One of my particular favorites is being out in nature. I think nature has a great way of Uh, making us present uh, both on a physical, psychological level because your senses are so engaged, but also on a spiritual level, on a a communal level. I think we just feel that connection and almost can't be anywhere else than where we are. I think it's in Celtic spirituality that they talk about the three books of Revelation. The first book of Revelation was the Bible, and the second book of Revelation was Jesus, and the third book of Revelation was nature. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, this idea that in the same way that scripture and that the witness of Jesus show us what God looks like, being outdoors, being surrounded by wilderness or beauty or things that grow and are natural, that is this other form of communication with us, of revelation to us about who God is and what God is like. I've seen Father Richard Rohr call creation the first Bible. Mm. in a lot of his writings too. So um, that's, yeah, it's one of the beautiful things about scriptures. You start to look for, for nature and its importance in our spiritual lives and you find it everywhere. Yeah. So I think one of the powerful things about nature is, as you said, it helps us engage all of our senses. Yeah. I'd like for us to end um, our conversation today with a brief practice that is about getting in touch with our senses. I did it with the youth on Sunday morning in Sunday school, and it was really cool to see the ways that they um, were embodied before the practice began. You know, we're meeting on Zoom, having Sunday school via Zoom, and they're kind of all uh, fidgeting or muting and unmuting themselves, or uh, one person was like touching up their makeup, Um, one person's like moving their phone around, trying to get in a comfortable position. (laughs) They're all doing all of these things and kind of moving a lot. And on the other side of this practice, there was this beautiful sense of stillness. Um, Not just physically, although physically was a part of it. Like I looked at my screen and it was 
like still they were calm but also this ability to hear one another differently and to connect at a deeper level and I think that is one of the most important gifts of being present um, is being present with others right and being able to hear God speak through those in front of us so I'm going to invite wherever you are if you're listening um, I'm going to invite you to Spend a moment looking around the space where you are. And I want you to name in your mind five things that you see. And don't go through them quickly, like book, chair, desk. Um, Make a mental picture of what that item is and describe it to yourself in your mind. Five things. Now I want you in the space that you're in to find four different things that you can touch with your hands that have different textures and touch them. Now listen into quiet and see if you can identify three sounds. It's easy to identify the loudest sounds, like maybe my voice or something else in your environment, but see if you can listen long enough to notice the sounds underneath the sounds. Maybe you can hear the ticking of a clock or a bird outside the window. Something that you might not have noticed was there. Then take a moment to taste, to notice what tastes are in your mouth and see if you can identify two tastes. Maybe some coffee that you drank earlier or a sip of water or what you had for breakfast or for lunch. And then I invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose and see what you smell. See if you can name just one smell. This is called the five senses meditation because it grounds us right with our five senses and all of a sudden we are present where we are i feel more present at least and i hope you do too wherever you are and however you have been joining us today thank you for listening today as we explored this first soul care practice the simple and beautiful practice of presence. 
Throughout the week ahead, there will be poetry and writings and images posted on Tabernacle's Facebook page and Instagram, inviting us to linger, to reflect, to wake up to the world around us, to the ways God is around us. In many ways, it's a continuation of this conversation. We hope you'll join us there. Special thanks to Ryan Corbett for our beautiful music, and of course my beloved husband, J.J. Vega, for joining me on this project. You can find more information about Tabernacle and the Soul Care Project at tbcrichmond.org.